The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Hey, welcome to the Grove Church today. Um, if you're wondering what's up, we got a series coming up called Surf's Up. That we're, no, just kidding. Um, I actually just wanted to show off my summer legs because they're about to go away. But um, no, today is Baptism Sunday. And man, here in a little bit, we're going to celebrate. There's always some uh, just amazing stories of how um, God is really just transforming lives. And so here in a few moments, we're going to celebrate that. But I'm going to jump in pretty quickly. I want to pray. And then we're going to jump into Judges chapter 16. If you brought a Bible, I encourage that. We'll be in Judges 16. If you got a smartphone with a Bible app, you can look that up. And we're going to walk through that here in just a moment. God, today, I'm so grateful for all of the things that you're doing in people's hearts and lives, God. We're grateful and we celebrate together that, that transformation is happening. People are taking steps in their faith. And, and today, I pray your joy would just fill this service, God. And I pray, Lord, we pray together uh, just for Grove Snohomish and for Andrew, the whole team over there, that, God, you would bless what's happening, that we are passionate about influence. And we look forward to that community continuing to be in, influenced through great churches, including the Grove. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in a series called Bad Advice today. Today's part four, and um, it's an important day as we dive right in. We're going to walk through the story of Samson and Delilah. And so um, just a little thought there for some of you. It's, uh, hey there, Delilah, what's it like in New York City? So I'll just stop there. But anyway, but um, some of you maybe don't know this story. Some of you possibly do. It's actually part of our reading plan. Just a few days ago, we were reading through uh, Judges, and we landed in this story. And um, I'm going to give you kind of a synopsis of Judges 13, 14, and 15, and we're going to land in chapter 16. So the story of Samson is basically this, that the book of Judges is people that are leading the nation of Israel, helping defend uh, the nation of Israel from all kinds of issues and problems, um, and, and Samson is one of those individuals, but what happens is his mom is praying because she wants to have kids, and the Lord magnificently, majestically, amazingly appears to her and um, says, you're going to have a child, and, and says that, that I want this child to be set apart in a special way. I've got something special for this uh, person in particular, and, and he's going to take a vow to never have his head shaved. In the Bible, it's called a Nazarite vow, and so, um, but, but that's kind of the story. Now, she has Samson. Samson grows up, and there's something unique about Samson. Samson has this personal passion. He has this super strength, and um, there are certain kind of amazing things that happen through Samson. But it kind of begins with that he wants to find a wife and he decides he finds a gal that's part of the Philistines. Now the Philistines are, uh, they're full of idolatry, multiple gods kind of stuff. And um, Israel is told, don't marry outside of, of our nation because there's all kinds of you know belief systems that aren't good. And so don't marry there. And so Samson wants to, and he won't listen to his parents. And that's kind of the MO of Samson is he's not a real smart dude. And um, he, he, kind of puts his heart kind of with her and wants to marry her. Well, he goes to, to the town uh, kind of in preparation to be married. He ends up making a bet out of kind of this thin air type of thing with a bunch of guys. And maybe the idea he, is he's going to get rich from it, but he ends up losing the bet because his girlfriend slash fiance slash wife almost um, kind of rats him out. She's 
don't know what that was, but anyway. Um, rats him out, and um, he gets really frustrated. He gets so frustrated that in his strength, he goes out and, and kills a bunch of guys and, and delivers the goods on the bet that he lost, and that's kind of a big deal. Well, as time continues on, we have this thing where he kills a lion and doesn't tell anybody about it with his bare hands, which I think none of us in here have probably ever done. He ends up killing a 1,000 guys with the jawbone of a donkey, and that's kind of this big deal. And then as you get to chapter 16, another feat of strength that Samson performs is um, he's taken captive and he ends up getting out of a certain city by lifting the entire gate and its bars and crossbeams out and carrying it up a mountainside. And so there's this thing where Samson is kind of this big deal. Now you get to verse four of Judges 16 and it says, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how he can over, how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. This was an opportunity for her to really kind of get rich. And so it says, Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new robes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then again, with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. And like an idiot, He replied, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric and tightened it with a pin. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep, pulled up the pin in the loom with the fabric. Now listen to this. Then she said to him, how can you say to me, I love you? When you won't confide in me, this is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. Look at verse 16. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick of it to death. Now, I'm not looking at anyone in the room when I bring up that verse at all. It says, until he was sick of it to death, so he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah realized that he had told her everything, 
she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called to Samson, Samson, once more, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in prison. This is a story where you and I hear it, and what it is is a story of a guy who has a real problem with personal passion. He makes decisions that cause all kinds of destruction, and twice he makes a decision based on his heart falling for the wrong woman. And right here, at first, we hear that Samson isn't completely honest with the secret to his strength, and maybe he's possibly realizing he'd be dumb to reveal his secret, possibly remembering what had happened to him before when he was engaged. But what he did was he continued through this passion for this woman to let her be an influence on him, and he finally does what he shouldn't do. And you and I, we think to ourselves, come on, nobody's that dumb. Nobody's, I mean, over and over, she clearly has it out for him and he keeps falling for it. And yet you hear in the history of the world, all kinds of dumb things men have done because of women and all kinds of dumb things women have done because of men. Can I hear an amen? It's just a fact, and, and especially in the days that you and I live in, we look at Samson and go, come on, nobody's that stupid. How can he not see what's going to happen? And yet today, we hear stories all over the place of famous people, of powerful people, whether they're in the, the entertainment industry or politicians or even pastors that, that they were doing some sort of behavior, they thought they would get away with it, and all of a sudden something comes to light, and nowadays it's like we can just roll our eyes and go, yep, mankind is pretty darn stupid. And the fact is, we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised at all that we look at individuals and go, how do they think they're going to get away with that? But you've got to be careful that you don't simply look at others and think that about them because the question needs to be turned back on you and on me. How do we think in our personal passion that we're going to get away with things that God does not want us to get away with? And some of those passions are huge passions. And there's individuals in this room that you've got a side relationship, even though you're in a marriage, and so far nobody knows about it, and you think you're going to get away with it, and you're not. Or you have a habit where you sneak out some money, and you head over to the casino, and you're just playing a game until it becomes about, I've got to catch up, I've got to make it back, I'm going to double down, I'm going to double down again. I mean, there comes a point where I'm going to win, right? And there's a gambling addiction that certain people around you don't know about. About yet, but your day is coming. And there's all kinds of big ways that you, you have a bottle at your house that you, you sneak away and you, you take a little drink because it calms you down, or you have a substance that you use that, that makes you mellow because it feels good and people don't know about it, and it's just a matter of time. But there's other things in our lives that seem like such small things. That's not a big deal. In my personal passion, I don't like 
fill in the blank, that person. I don't like what they do. I don't like how they operate. I don't like, and and pretty soon, if you're not careful, that little thing about you don't like that person becomes an issue of bitterness where you no longer know how to walk in forgiveness at all. So even little things where, oh, I, I, I didn't used to get up at night and grab a snack, but now I do, and little by little, it's not just a snack, it's a full meal, and pretty soon you're hiding certain food around the house so people don't know how much is missing, and something that started out as an innocent little, well, my stomach was churning at midnight, became a problem that you have that you're not telling people about. Small things and large things. But the truth is, if we let personal passion get the best of us, we'll become like Samson, where we're worn down day after day, where the issue grows. And and while we may not see it right away, you look down the road and go, how in the world did I ever get to that place? And that's a common tale in the world we live in. And for Samson, to me, the biggest indictment of the entire story is not just that he was worn down and he gave up the secret. The danger is this, if you look at it. It says that he told her everything. And the Philistines come in and they subdue him. But look at what happens in verse 20. She called once again, Samson, the Philistines are on you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out just as before and shake myself free. And then look at this verse. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. To me, that is the saddest part of the entire story. And the danger there, honestly, is for all of us, you guys. The danger here is is we've got this personal passion that we think we're getting away with something that we know if we discern it, you know, God doesn't really want that. That's probably not the best thing. I'm kind of hiding it from other people or whatever that is. But, but it's the, the, the danger here with Samson is the same as you and me. All of a sudden, in our lives, we're not even aware that the work of God has been stopped in our lives. That the work of God has halted. That, that we're, not, we're not continuing to take steps of obedience because we're sneaking around in disobedience. And we think that everything's fine and we justify it. Well, you know, I'm not like them who did that and it was in the paper and whatever. And for me, it's different because in my marriage or in my life, or it's a little different because I am who I am and that's them and this is me. That's a huge red flag when you justify what you won't justify in the lives of other people. And all of a sudden, God steps back in our lives and says, you need to reap the consequences of what you're doing. And all of a sudden, things go bad. And we're like, why, God? Samson wasn't even aware. God, what? You you left? You stepped back? It says word for word, he did not know that the Lord had left him. And his eyes are gouged out and he lives as a slave the rest of his life until he dies in one final strength miracle that God gives him and that's it. How about you and me? See, we're called to surrender our personal passion to Jesus Christ. You and I, if we say we're followers of Christ, we are called to surrender whatever personal passions we have to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're in here today, and maybe you're not a follower of Christ yet, I believe it's the best decision you could ever make, but we're all called to surrender. As followers of Christ, and, and I've been one for 20, going on 27 years now, um, one of the verses that, that I use to battle personal passion in my life is this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. If you're looking for a great verse to anchor to, to make a little card about, to put on your dashboard or on the mirror when you're getting ready in the mornings or memorize, it says this. No temptation, meaning any kind of temptation, not just relational, physical, or whatever, all kinds of, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. 
But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And I want to remind all of us, for me, that's how I overcome my personal passion. For you, that's a great tool in helping you overcome your personal passion. Number one, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, acknowledging they exist. You and I would be fools to not acknowledge that there are moments in all of our lives where a personal passion rises up that isn't good. That that's going to lead somewhere that isn't good. And whether it's small or it seems big, it isn't good. Acknowledging, like Paul does, hey, we're all going to face temptation. All of us. No temptation has seized you except what's common to all of mankind, he says. But, and this is the second thing, number one, acknowledge they exist. Simple. Number two, you've got to acknowledge in the midst of that personal passion that God is bigger than that. That God has has the strength to help you overcome that personal passion. He says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And the third thing, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. There's always a way out. There is always a way out from personal passion getting the best of you. And I believe he says that what we have to do, though, is not just assume, well, God's going to take care of it. No, 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 we've got to fight. Even as I said last week, the Bible over and over reminds followers of Christ, be vigilant, be alert, be aware, be cautious, be discerning, be careful. And so we have a role in this whole picture when it comes to those personal passions, acknowledging they exist, believing God is bigger, But finally, confessing, God, there's a way out, and Lord, please show it to me, because I want that. See, we're in Baptism Sunday, and I'm about to wrap this up, but, but Baptism Sunday is all about surrendering our personal passions to obedience in Christ. We get to hear stories as we already have in two services of people that get in here and go, man, I, you know, I, the light came on. I didn't used to believe or I didn't grow up in or, or here's what was going on. I had an addiction, an incredible story in the last service about battling addiction and walking through it and realizing that, that God is part of the equation to finding victory against that stuff. And so here is a guy in the tank getting baptized. Just a fun, fun moment, but it's all about stories of personal surrender. And in Christ, we get to hear those stories. Baptism is an outward declaration of God's inward transformation. Baptism is is, is symbolically laying our lives down. Paul says in the watery grave of baptism, laying our old lives down, coming up new in Christ. And that's what we're called to do. It's not just for some of you. It's not just about hearing stories. There's a bunch of people in a few moments that are going to line up and get baptized. But here's the deal. Some of you came in today not thinking you needed to, but you need to. Because we've said before, we believe that the only biblical next step for anyone who puts their faith in Christ is water baptism. You can start reading the Bible and learn to pray, come to worship night this Friday. You can get connected in a life group. You can start learning how to give generously and part of your income, go, man, I want to further the kingdom work. That's, you can do all that's great. But the only biblical next step for those who put their faith in Christ is water baptism. And if you haven't been water baptized since you made that decision, you need to take that step today. And you go, well, I, what are you talking about? Like, just jump in the tank with my clothes? No, no. Here's the thing. We got dressing rooms. Women over here, men over here, and in the back, we've got all kinds of shirts to say, I have decided, and all kinds of sizes and shorts and all kinds of sizes because we want to remove every excuse for why you can't lay your personal passion aside now, today. 
Because it's easy for people to walk out and go, I need to think about that. No, no, I'm a believer. That if you believe in Christ, you've given your life to faith in Christ, just take a step. Remove the reasons why not. Remove the fact that some of you, your makeup's gonna run and it's gonna be Alice Cooper. Who cares? Big deal. We're gonna celebrate with you. When we walk in obedience, that's what surrender is. Surrendering our will to the will of God. And some of you that walked in dry need to leave wet, baptized. And yeah, we have towels you can dry off and change back into your street clothes. But I want to challenge anybody that if you've put your faith in Christ, but since you've made that decision, you haven't been baptized, I believe today is your day. I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet and I'm going to pray. Father, today... God, we love hearing the stories. We celebrate. We're going to cheer. The Bible actually talks about, God, there's a party in heaven that we're going to join as we look at these stories and celebrate baptism. But God, my prayer today, and this is for all of us, that if there's personal passions like Samson fell prey to, if there's personal passions where our lives don't line up with what you want, God, for all of us in the room, reveal those things, God, that we're willing to lay down our personal passion, our agenda for what you want. And for some today, God, I pray that your spirit would do a work, God, reminding individuals, God, to take a step today, to get baptized today for some. God, have they put their lives in your hands, put their faith in Christ, but they haven't been water baptized since then. God, I pray that they wouldn't leave this place without knowing you're knocking on their hearts. Get baptized. Father, thank you for what we get to celebrate in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.